everyone to the Leading Wyoming podcast. We are so excited to be joined today by Pat Hughes of Gracious Space. She's been here with us at the Alumni Summit this year, and we wanted to share a few of the elements of her talk yesterday at the summit, and also talk about a book that she wrote that has just come out as well. So thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Also, we want to give a shout out to the University of Wyoming Alumni Association, which is where we're recording this. So thank you, Jack Tennant and Go Pokes. We're happy to be here. Uh, Pat, you talked yesterday about leading in complexity, mm -hmm. which is somewhat of a thesis of many of the things you've worked on throughout your career as a leadership coach and author. Um, maybe give us a little context of what VUCA means and how you kind of came to this talk yesterday. Sure. So um, I was really interested in being helpful uh, to the folks in the room and so wanted to touch on a few points that I have found to be um, really of service to leaders as they try to manage today's very complex uh, issues and, and situations that they find themselves in. So the acronym VUCA has been around for many years and um, it stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And whenever you ask somebody, you know, how's your workspace these days? Is there anything VUCA about your life? All the hands go up. Um, so I wanted to look at those four elements and help leaders figure out how they could lead in situations of VUCA. Awesome. And you kicked us off with talking about values, mm -hmm. uh, which has a little bit of fun overlap with some of the Hogan coaching we've been doing. We actually get to kind of identify people's values in that conversation. Um, but how do values come to an individual or maybe bigger question, how does an organization set values? Right, so values come to an individual usually by our upbringing and uh, they're passed on. It's one of the key uh, elements of being a parent is you get to try to pass on your values to your, to your children, um, but also through faith traditions, through um, experiences in life, uh, people develop uh, a set of core values. And, um, I've worked in the values-based leadership field for a long time. Um, and so for an organization, it has to be intentional and, and it has to be inclusive. You can't have a, an executive team in a back room saying, these are going to be our values and now everybody else needs to adopt these. I, I think the best way to come to a set of shared values in an organization is to include other people. Um, and, you know, the ELT could start with, here's a set, what do you think? get some feedback, narrow the list, and then really have some narrative around what each of these means and then um, give them to the various departments or the various folks to say, now what does this look like in behavior? How can we show that we're living these values collectively? Mm -hmm. I love the example you gave too of the artifact hunt. Of mm -hmm. What is even the physical space around you? Talk about setting and gracious space. What is the physical space communicating about your values? Right, right. I mean, just here in this room, there's a picture of Cowboy Joe. Cowboy Joe and some alumni in, in the university and we can see the statue out here and there's a woman at the front who has a set of beads in front of her desk. I mean these are just artifacts that tell us something about mm -hmm. the space and so choosing those, being selective about those because they tell a story, they send a message and you want it to send the message that is consistent with your values. Mm -hmm. Great, so from there you moved on to culture and I'm curious, I think some companies or leaders might think values and culture are the same thing. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose to separate them or what's the difference between values and culture? Right, so values I would say <clears throat> is kind of the three legs that the stool of culture might sit on. Okay. And so culture is a product of values but it's also expectations, it's norms, it's how we um, show up, it's how things are done and it's often um, there's a lot of unspoken aspects of culture 
um, behaviors that are not included in the set of values but that we expect people to abide by. And these are a product also of um, just where we find ourselves situated. So for example, um, you know, in a, in a family-owned ranch situation, the culture might be that, uh, well, we know the oldest son is going to inherit the ranch. We don't ever talk about it, but that's, that's the culture. Mm -hmm. And whether or not the, the older son actually wants it um, or is primed to run it. Yeah. So, so the culture is really, um, you know, how things happen, the unspoken and the spoken, it's policies, it's procedures, it's, it's everything. It's the vibe mm -hmm. that you feel when you walk into the place. Mm -hmm. You also, I've heard you say this before and I love it, you say that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Right. What does that mean? So what this means is that um, a lot of organizations spend all, all their time on strategy. Like mm -hmm. let's create the absolute best strategy or have a strategic plan that's going to make us the best, number one, or get us to our next um, you know, goal. And that's great. However, if, if the, the culture of the organization isn't aligned with that, it'll smash it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there's an example I worked with a while ago with a, a government agency um, where they spent a lot of time creating a leadership program that would train their leaders to become you know, the leaders of tomorrow that they needed. Um, that was their strategy. That was their leadership strategy. It was three tiers. It was upper leadership, middle management, and boots on the ground, literally, because it was, you know, an agency where people wore boots and they worked out <laughs> in the field. Um, the problem was, and it was great. It was like a year-long program, lots of money thrown at it, big, big strategy, awesome curriculum designer. That was me. Um, the problem was the culture in the organization said, if you're a leader, it's like having a target on your back. Mm. Nobody here wants to be a leader mm. because the leadership culture was that you get all the crap mm -hmm. and none of the glory. Mm -hmm. And so that culture made the program less successful kind until we figured it. that out yeah. and we figured out how to mitigate. And it was a long time coming that, that that's the culture you had to change. Mm -hmm. The strategy alone was not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Which sort of brings us to your third point of adaptive leadership mm -hmm. um, and maybe what it takes to change culture is winning hearts and minds and that side of adaptive. So it's something we talk about a lot in leadership rhyming or mm -hmm. technical versus adaptive, but maybe dive into why you think that's such a relevant part of leadership. Right. Well, um, I've long believed that leadership or change happens two ways. One is you, you move where you change the physical stuff. You change policies, you change buildings, you change leaders, um, but you also have to change hearts and minds. So, so for, there, there's lots of examples of when, like say, you know, in this city, women voted. This was the first place where a woman voted. So the law changed, but people's attitudes about whether women should vote mm -hmm. took a long time to change. So that's, what, that's the difference between you can change a thing, but you also have to change how people think about the thing. Mm -hmm. Those have to go together. And that's adaptive leadership, is you don't just do the one, you have to do the other. And that's complex, it involves lots of stakeholders and planning and um, a different way of thinking and, and experimenting and patience, really, because it takes time. One of the things you said yesterday that really landed with me is if you have a problem that involves people, people are the problem right not meaning like get rid of the people but right. working with those people and helping to solve the problem with them is right. actually the problem right it's because how we show up 
and what we expect and what we believe, maybe that's outdated. <laughs> and so if, if that's what we're bringing, then we have to think about, oh, wow, how do I have to change? How do I have to look at something differently? That's the hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or how do we even like, what are our patterns as a group? Mm-hmm. How are those getting in our own way of doing, doing what we're trying to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very sticky. Sticky work. Yeah. Um, another thing you said that I think might transition us into the, the book you just put out too is that to move faster you need more trust. And mm-hmm. maybe share more of how you sort of came to that conclusion or what, how you've seen that play out. Huh. So um, a great resource for this is the book by Stephen Covey Jr. Um, called The Speed of Trust. And mm-hmm. so he lays this out. I love this book. I love, I love his work around this because he says if we don't have trust, it takes us longer to do things. We have to double check. We have to question. We have to kind of go around and, and find other ways to verify, which takes longer. If we have trust, we can say, you good? I'm good? Good. We don't need a signed contract, we just do it. And so if you think about times that you have trust and how quickly things happen, Mm -hmm. and when you don't have trust and how much longer and how much more anxiety and how much more work goes into getting something done. I mean, there's tons of examples um, around how having trust is an accelerator for getting things Mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. Well, and why I think that segues into the the book which just to give kind of the title is gracious or creating equity with gracious space correct mm-hmm, and it just mm-hmm. came out a month ago two months yeah, ago yeah september and maybe tell us a little bit about how you sort of came to feeling like you wanted to make this additional book in addition to gracious space right so it was three years in the making so gracious space as we know is already an inclusive model um, it says invite difference and learn from that difference be open-minded um, be willing to learn from continue to to be a learner. Um, And so in 2020, there were lots of things going on in our country. Um, It was, you know, the George Floyd murder, it was um, the election, it was COVID and vaccinations, and there was just so much going on and there was so much, um, so many arguments about what was going on and how we should deal with these things. And I started getting calls. I have like, there's 180 people across the country who have taken the Gracious Space Train the Trainer. They're certified facilitators, and they were start calling me saying, Pat, can I use Gracious Space in these situations? <laughs> it's like, yes, please, hurry. We need you everywhere. Um, and then they said, okay, but how? How do I pair Gracious Space with these questions around equity, belonging, inclusion? It's like, it's in the book. They're like, no, not really. I need more. So I was encouraged by several folks, and I was on my own journey of learning more about how, as a white woman, I needed to learn and unlearn some things about our country's history and, you know, just, you know, what I could do to make things more equitable. Um, and so that's when I started working on this, this next piece. And, and the point is to use Gracious Space as a partner for anybody who's trying to create a more inclusive environment for those in that environment. And maybe to sort of say how I think those dovetail together is, I think in the conversation today, it doesn't matter what topic we're talking about, words get loaded, jargon gets judgments and labeled as this side or that side, and, and I think there's some belief that words like equity and inclusion or diversity have this certain stigma that go mm-hmm, with them. Mm-hmm. But if we go back to that speed of trust, if we sort of strip away those judgments and, and just say, as a leader, do you, want you, do you want to get better results? Mm-hmm. Do you want your team to be more efficient? Do you want to get more work done better and faster? most people would say yes. Mm-hmm. And so what would you say to a leader who maybe is 
is struggling to understand like how does this fit into what I'm doing and is it a wholesale thing like you have to jump off this cliff of equity inclusion mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or how can I how can I get better results and be more efficient in right. a way that makes sense to me and my company right so I think the key is you know we, we start with who we have you know we, we select a, a, a group of people that bring a diverse set of skills so that we can pull on those skills to get the results we're looking for whether that's you know increase our market share or be a better competitor or innovate uh, staff retention is a huge issue right now mm -hmm. and there are so many studies out there that show that if these people feel like they have a stake in the decisions that are made or or that their voices are heard even if the decisions don't reflect those they still want to be heard they still want to be considered that they will be more loyal they will be they will feel more um, uh, you know part of, of the organization and they will stick around more mm -hmm. higher productivity is the result of feeling like I've had a voice mm -hmm. hmm. now I feel like I can contribute and it's just it's, it's just an equation, and, and yet we miss often this middle piece of how then do we go about getting voices, on what issues, for how long, you know, mm -hmm. because I had one CEO say, Pat, is there such a thing as too much inclusion? <laughs> it's like, well, at some point you have to get on with the work. Mm -hmm. So figure out where you need, and this brings us back to in, um, invite the stranger and get more voices, where do you need input? Mm -hmm. is, the, is the idea new? Is it an adaptive challenge? Mm -hmm. um, is it uh, you know something around the culture? Is it something that you're trying to do that you haven't done before? Or does it involve a lot of stakeholders that you need a lot of perspectives to do the work well ahead of time so that it doesn't come back to bite you? So there are lots of ways to in involve, um, you know, to, to be inclusive without having to stop your whole plan. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that's in the primer about your book that says, um, it, it talks about authentic environments and authentic, authentically inclusive places. And I think that's another thing that resonates here in Wyoming is we sometimes don't like to do it the way everybody else says you should do it or the way they do it over there. And so how would you encourage a company that is saying, I do want better retention, I do want better employee satisfaction and productivity, and I still want it to feel like mm -hmm. our ranch or our mm -hmm. family business. Mm -hmm. How do you bridge those things you know, invite the stranger is at face value asking for something that's different than you think, feel, or understand. And authenticity is let's make it feel good to do that. Mm -hmm. So how do you encourage people to marry those two things? Well, if it's going to work, it has to be real. So I am in total agreement that um, these are ideas, and I expect people to take the ideas and make them their own. There's not um, a recipe in this book. And in fact, I'm, I'm expecting people to say, okay, this is great, Pat, and now how do I do it? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's like it's in the book. So, um, uh, you know, finding, being, being clear on whose voices are, are not being heard. What, what's the perspective that we often miss in our situation, which may be different from somebody else's situation? Mm -hmm. That makes it authentic. What can I learn as a leader or as a um, you know, a, a participant. What, 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 what can I learn that would make me better? Hmm, that's authentic. How can we have more fun at work? How, how can we feel good about, because we spend so much time at work, why not have it be a place where people feel good? Um, so that's authentic. Mm -hmm. So starting from those places, 
also saying what is it that we're bringing into the world, whether it's um, a product or an idea or a service, um, how does that align with who we are and why we care about that? That's authentic. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that's a little bit abstract, but I, I think finding, coming back to the values, coming back to um, how we're different, what differentiates us from other groups and how we can use that um, to get where we're going. I think that, that, that could be a way to start. Great. And I also just want to say, I think authenticity is your superpower oh. um, of being your whole real self to people around you. It's really inspiring. So oh, thanks. I just, I'm a WYSIWYG. You know, what you see is what you get. So. Yeah, WYSIWYG. <laughs> I like that. Um, maybe last question. Another, I have a lot of your mantras that I use all the time, and one of them is, the system will always get the results it's designed to get. Mm -hmm. And so maybe talk about what that means, and also in the context of if, if somebody's trying to create a more inclusive or more equitable system, I like in your book too, you don't say the equitable system as though mm -hmm. it's some destination you'll get to, but if they're trying to think about those things, how do you think about changing the system? Yeah, so I think it, it might be helpful to think about equity in, in terms that we already understand. Like, when you buy a house, if the bank still owns part of it, you have equity in that house. Mm -hmm. You have shared ownership. Mm -hmm. If you are buying into a business, you may have equity in that business. You have a small piece of it. And if the business does well, you do well. If the business doesn't do well, you lose too. Mm -hmm. So it's having shared ownership. And so that's one way that I think we can... Um, kind of get through some of this, like equity is now, it's the E word that you can't say in certain areas. We know what equity means. We know that it means shared ownership and shared access. Mm -hmm. um, and so if we think about that, it's like, huh, okay, what is it, what does shared ownership and shared access mean in our organization? Mm -hmm. How can that help us? How can that be a source of, um, of power, a source of, you know, resources? I mean, the worst possible thing is that you've got people with lots of talent that you're not tapping. Mm -hmm. So you're leaving talent on the table. So equity could just mean, how do I get access to that talent? How do I enable and empower people to bring forward the gifts and talents that they have um, without expecting them to just stay in a box because mm -hmm. of a title or a label that we've given them? Um, so that's one way to think about equity that might kind of mitigate some of the head scratching that's going on around it right now. And I forget the earlier part of your question. <laughs> it was a system will always get the system, results. System, right. So, um, so my master's is in whole systems design. I spent a lot of time thinking about how, how systems are designed, how human systems are designed. Um, and they don't just pop up from nowhere. Mm -hmm. Somebody thought about it. Somebody thought about an org structure. Somebody thought about you know a communication plan. Um, a strategy, you know, these are all parts of that design. And um, one of the things that's hard to do as a leader, though, but really important, we talk about getting up on the balcony and taking a look at the system and saying, how are things working? Where are the blocks? Where are the pieces? Who's not dancing on that dance floor that I'm looking at? Um, and the system is producing certain results. Some of them are helpful. Some of them are not helpful. How can we look at the system as a living entity and you know, make some changes, move some things around, learn, undo some expectations or maybe undo some assumptions so that we can get a system that has more of the positive and less of the stuff that we don't want. So that's what I mean by the system is designed. Mm -hmm. Whether you designed it or not, it has a design. The design is producing something. Mm -hmm. 
So you got to get in there and tinker. Yeah, I love that. That was a, a question you've used in coaching a lot that I've seen as well, is where are you not getting the results that mm -hmm. you want? And then get in there and figure out right. why and what do you have the ability to technically change or mm -hmm. do you need to adaptively change through influence and patience and those types of things. Right, right. So. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of systems. A truck is a system. A mm -hmm. university is a system. A, a business is a system. Um, weather is a system. Now, we can't necessarily tinker with the weather. We can... We can hope for rain, but you know, we can hope that the wind dies down. But these are all, if you think about the truck isn't working, how do I fix the truck? Mm -hmm. What are the pieces I need to move around? What is something new I need to bring in? Um, or is it time for a new truck? I mean, that's like really getting up on the balcony. Yeah. Do I need something that's actually going to serve me better because of the results that I'm looking for? Mm -hmm. That's another way to think about it. Yeah. Well, if people want to get the new book, how can they get it? Oh, fun. So if they want a signed copy, they can come to me, my website, um, and I will put that in the mail. Um, or the easiest way is just to go to Amazon. Um, you just type in Creating Equity with Gracious Space, and you have the option of a print version or an electronic version. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you for making the trek out to be with us this week. We really appreciate it. I love coming to Wyoming. Thanks for the invitation. We'll keep having you back. <laughs> it's a deal. Great. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for the Leading Wyoming podcast. The Leading Wyoming podcast is made possible thanks to the generous support of our all-in sponsors, DAP, CPA, Genesis Alkali, Hilltop Bank, Jonah Bank, and Rocky Mountain Power.